Oh man, what a great track. Jared, don't you say, don't you say that's a jam, isn't it? That is a jam lover money, Ed. Why do you uh, why are you talking about it now? Why do you bring it up now? Well, you know, I know Prince was giving it as a, an option. What is it love or is it money? But we're gonna ask you guys out there, it all our all our wonderful listeners that actually love equals money because we're actually throwing out a bit of money over the last couple of years, Jared and myself, to put this podcast together to have it actually on a platform that you guys can access and distribute it across to Spotify and Apple and all around the world. And we need your love. We need a little bit of your money to kind of offset the costs that we've been incurring over the last couple of years. We we hate to have to do this because we do do this out of the love of Prince. I know you guys listen because of the love of Prince, but any little bit of, of help you could give us financially would certainly be very, very much appreciated. That's right, Ed. You couldn't be more right. And, you know, folks, when you sign up to be a subscriber to When Does Podcast through our Buzzsprout platform, you will eventually get some access to some bonus materials. Ed and I have some big plans for projects we want to get people involved in when, when they subscribe to our show. And all of that will be announced soon. So help us out. Show a little love. Show a little money by helping us keep this project going. We're so yeah. grateful for your help, and we're so grateful to everyone who's already subscribed. Keep it coming, folks. Please do it, guys. Listen. And listen, like Jared said, you know, throw some money. We're not going to forget these early investors, these early folks who jump up first and say, raise their hand, dip into their wallet, say, I can give you a couple bucks a month. As Jared said, we're going to look for opportunities to present some exclusive material to those subscribers and maybe get you guys directly involved. Like if you have ideas for shows, you want to be on one of the podcasts, Listen, we're, we have no pride. We'll do whatever it takes we have, at this point. <laughs> I think it's well established we have no pride. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, folks, again, I mean, we wish we didn't have to ask for a little bit of help, but we certainly would appreciate maybe if you could grab some change um, and throw some money our way. It would certainly help us offset some costs that we incur. Okay. And what's more, everybody, you can get, donate whatever level you feel like. You can, as little as $3, as, as much as, you know, if you want to subscribe for a million dollars an episode... <laughs> I mean, sure. I, you don't have to do that, but if you wanted to do that, you could. Do it. Love or money. That's right. Love or money, people. Love or money. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Now back to our regular program. I stand on the what? Your Roy G. Biv. Do you know what I'm talking about? No idea what you're talking about. So, you know, the spectrum only has so many colors in it. Okay. And the colors are called, their their acronym is Roy G. Biv. So when Walk you me. break up white yeah. light through a prism, yeah, the colors always come out in the same pattern. Oh, yeah. That, that pattern is Roy G. Biv. Do you know what all those colors are? Like name the actual colors that come out you of this. Name them. Red. Yep. Orange. Yep. Yellow. Yep. What other things did you put in there, Roy? What was it? G Biv. G Biv. Green. G I V. Green. 
Black? No. There's Brown? No. Nope. Blue? Blue. <laughs> Made more sense to be blue. Yes, and everything, all the other things I said. Uh, did you say Viv? Biv. B-I-V. Biv. I would be Indigo? Indigo! <laughs> and V would be... <laughs> what do you think? V. Violet? Violet. That's your Roy G. Biv. Huh. So what's the difference between saying violet and purple? Is there anything different about it? What do I look like an interior decorator to you? How do I know? You know, did anyone listen? You've you've proven to the world through the three seasons of this broadcast yeah. that you have a broad, broad scope of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So that you could throw in this acronym for the spectrum, but a question of what's the difference between violet and purple is like, why would I know that? Violet is more blue than purple. There you go. That's my that's my guess. I'll, that's I'll my take guess. it. I'll take that answer. I love Richie it. Biv isn't like that's you learned that in high school. My high school was a little lacking in things like that. Let's be honest. Lacking. It was like let's let me teach honest. you how to let me teach you how to do a coal mine exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how you use an indoor bathroom. Let's teach you a couple of classes on that. And Let's then you got to lower your expectations, everybody. A little bit, just a little bit. Welcome to When Doves Podcast, friends. We are back. <laughs> Woo! Woo! We are back in action. Uh, the reason I was discussing Roy G. Biv is because of Indigo. Yes. Today we're talking about Indigo Nights. Love it. Indigo Nights. Ed, do you have any recollection? Of, well, you already said you didn't know this record, right? You had said not this at all. God. Not at all. I think I think I had a rough awareness, or or maybe a light awareness that there was a book that had been coming. It was yes, going to come right. out. Yeah, that's a um, but I, I I didn't pursue it. I didn't even see what it was about. I just seemed uh, just another, like a money grab type and just grab some pictures. Like I I'm not though. I will say this as we as we kind of go through this, if I can find it really quick. I was at the airport, as you know, I did that trip recently. Yes. Going to Phoenix. So I'm at the airport with my mother, my beloved mother, and I'm looking for something to buy, you know, some snacks, whatnot, at one of those like little news places. Sure. And I saw this magazine. Why can't I find this magazine? It should be here. There was a magazine there from Rolling Stone. Uh, yeah. That was a Prince like um, commemorative edition, like the man, the music, his legacy. I grabbed it. Nice cover. Um, just threw it on. The, I didn't even look at it. I just threw it on the counter with like a, a mints and something and maybe some water. The magazine was $15. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Inflation. Did you buy it? Did you put it back? No, I kept it. I thought, screw it. I already no, kept it. You already committed. You took it to the counter. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like when you're committed, when you've already taken the thing to the counter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I did, I did, as I, as uh, Jared noted, I did find the thing. So nice cover on it. Um, what is it? Is it like a, re it's a retrospective. Oh, those are all the covers he has. Right. I think it might be missing one cover or two, but yeah, there, so it's basically all the Rolling Stone pieces that ever been written and all the interviews that they've ever done. They actually have album, like a, an album of chronological walk through the albums. Not as um, thorough as ours, no doubt. No, not as good as ours. And then like some artists like Quest Loves in here talking about Prince. They have some. So it's it's actually a well put together piece. That's I was cool. just a little I had a little bit of a sticker shock, though, when I found that it was 15. Absolutely. Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know what, Ed, speaking of Rolling Stone and Prince, uh, before we get into Indigo Nights, I do have a little bit of Prince in the news. News on the mark. Yeah. 
Nobody loves a list like Rolling Stone loves a list. They love those lists. They love a list. And also, we love a list. Let's just be honest. We love a list. Can I tell you and, something else that, it's, that I love about a list? Yeah. Because your kiss, your kiss is on my list. You know my kiss, kiss. The kiss is on my list because your kiss is what I miss something. When you turn out the light. Do, do. always does when you turn out the light. When you turn Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the ways they sing it, yeah. Philadelphia's own Hall and Oates. Philadelphia's own Hall and Oates. So I'd have to, I might have to insert a little clip of Kiss on your list because that's yeah, why not? That song's a jam. So. Rolling Stone recently had two lists that came out, both of which Prince appeared in. Mm. So I wanted to share the this with our listeners in case anybody missed it. First of all, there was a list that Rolling Stone put out of the 50 worst albums, like big biggest mistake records mm. that artists have made. I shouldn't yeah. say worst, like the biggest mistakes that any artist had made. Or like the worst album in their catalog type of the thing. The worst album in their catalog, yeah. yeah, like that kind of thing. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's 50, 50, 50 different albums. And our guy Prince comes in at number 38. Okay. Chaos and Disorder coming in at 38. And they said this about Chaos and Disorder. Prince was in the middle of a war with Warner Brothers in 1996, and he gave them Chaos and Disorder to fulfill the final terms of his contract. The back of the album features this disclaimer – Quote, originally intended for private use only, this compilation serves as the last original material recorded by the symbol for Warner Brothers Records. The CD booklet features images of a dollar bill rolled up in a syringe and a heart in a toilet. As one can imagine, it's tough to produce great music when you believe it's only going to benefit an evil corporation you want to destroy. Quote, Chaos and Disorder is distinguished by its confusion. Even the title admits that the album's fractured parts never resolve into a thematic whole, said Rolling Stone's Ernest Hardy in a dismissive two-star review. Quote, at its best, the record sounds like a collection of polished demos. More often, though, it sounds like the work of a Prince impersonator. Couldn't, couldn't disagree more. We, we, we are a hard disagree on that. We think that that album is unjustly maligned. Yeah, I was I was surprised as we said. If, go back and listen to the pod, guys. If you want to go back and take a peek, listen to it again, um, I was really surprised at how much I actually liked the album on the re-listen. I thought there was I some, agree. there was some material of right now, and I know we have still have some more albums to go, and some albums which I've never even bought. So there might be some wonderful gems in some of those albums. But the song "I Will" from that album stands out to me as the only song so far in his whole catalog that, like, I went back and was like. Wow, I'm so glad I I discovered this track because I had never really listened to yeah, it. I exactly. really liked it a lot. So yeah. I, I think that's, uh, if I was to pick, well, if you were to pick at this point in, in our review of his albums, his least, your least favorite album of his at the moment, I mean, could, do you think could one pop into your mind? That's a great question. At this point, if we're, if we're sort of doing a quick little mini review, I think the weakest album on the whole. Oh man, I don't know. My first thing is, is to say news. Oh yeah, okay. On on the whole, you know. Yeah, no, I get that. There's not a there's not a ton there to grab onto. What about you? If you, if you, first instinct, what comes to mind? Um, some of the things we just recently talked about. Probably Planet Earth is a, is probably one of those things. Yeah. Um, 
but then it's the stuff in the 2000s like maybe yeah. slaughterhouse um slaughterhouse isn't very stuff. um or or disc three from crystal ball or disc three from crystal ball yeah that's a tough one um, from crystal ball anyway do you want to hear what number one was just out of curiosity i do absolutely what was the number one the number one uh biggest mistake album or worst album by a major artist was kanye his 2018 album yay oh i never heard it i have no idea i never heard it either as you know i'm not a big kanye fan uh but yeah. that's number one uh number two was the velvet underground album that they made without lou reed which that would do it which which, which would totally do it yeah, totally that would probably do it. do it that album was called squeeze um okay i don't even know if you can find that record anymore um so anyway so that was that little piece of news and then the other list yeah that just recently came out rolling stones writer this guy named uh rob sheffield who's a pretty good mm-hmm. writer he he he's a pretty good reviewer he's done this before uh with another year he ranked the hundred greatest songs of 1983. Okay. Since it's the 40th anniversary of 1983. It's a pretty fun list because when you look at it, you're like, damn, 1983 kind of banging. There's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. And it's fun to see some songs. You're like, well, this should be higher. This should be lower, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Prince only has one song on the, on the list, Um, but I'll give it to you. Well, what's best. Should I just tell you what it is? Yeah, just tell, tell us. Coming in at number four as the greatest songs of 1983, 1999. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you what Sheffield had to say about it. Prince's apocalyptic funk anthem is so beloved now that it's easier to overlook how radical and divisive it sounded at the time. But 1999 was a song with two different lives. In November 1982, the song, the video conquered MTV to the point where the network started using it for their in-house ads. But radio still wouldn't touch it. Too rock for the disco stations, too disco for the rock stations. So 1999 died on the charts. It was only in the summer of 1983, after Little Red Corvette crashed the top 10, that the pop audience got an earful of 1999. Game over. 1999 wasn't just Prince's personal fantasy anymore. It was the whole audience's fantasy of the future he was inventing, a mix of different genders and races and cultures and beats. As Prince said, quote, half the musicians I knew only listened to one type of music. That wasn't good enough for me, end quote. After 1999, it wasn't good enough for anyone else either. Love it. I'm confused about the timeline, though, because they're saying that it was released in November of 82, which tracks. I think we talked about it being re-released, which just makes sense. But if they're saying it it picked up steam after Little Red Corvette became a big hit, wouldn't have Little Red Corvette been released in 83 then, based on what they're saying in there? Yes, the, yes, it, it does seem like that. But I also think they're saying Little Red Corvette didn't get into the top ten until the summer of 1983. Okay, and after that, that's when that after that 1999, pri- excuse me, prior to that 1999 had no radio impact at all. And they're saying okay. after that's what they're. I think they're talking about the radio impact rather than it's gotcha. actually the release dates and stuff. Yeah, because I was like, well, wouldn't Little Red Corvette have then been on this list for 83 if it had been right. hit 83? I, okay, think, no I think Little Red Corvette was because Little Red Corvette, if you remember, he did this last year. He did a best 100 songs of 1982. And Little Red Corvette was like two on it. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I think it was, it was pretty that. close to the top. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was it was, you know, to, to the point we raised on last episode on Planet Earth. Singles used to have months to breathe. Yeah, that's true. Good point. They still have months. Shelf life. A lot of shelf life. A lot of shelf life, and that just doesn't happen anymore. Nope, does not. Um, 
Do you want to hear the top 10? You want to I do. I do. Can you give me some, can I try to guess, give me some hints of artists and see if I can grab them? In the top 10? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you this. Number 10 is a song I didn't know and I couldn't place and I don't know the artist at all. Oh, then I know who it is then. It's got, <laughs> that was all the, that's all the clues I needed right there. Uh, number nine is a huge artist. That well, who's I'm, 10? Who's 10? Oh, do you want me to tell you? Yeah, okay. let's go. Let's go with 10. Let's go. Do, yeah. 10. Hazy Fantasy. But hazy is spelled H A Y S I F A N T A Y Z E E. No idea. And the song is called Shiny Shiny. No idea. I haven't looked it up yet. I maybe we shiny, both shiny. know it if we heard it, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that off just by seeing. Shiny it. shiny. Hmm. Shiny. The the chorus goes shiny shiny. Bad times behind me. Shiny shiny. Shana na na. My goodness. I don't know it. Didn't know it. Okay. Number nine is a major, major artist. There's, I'm trying to think of a clue that doesn't just give it away. It's the second single, I think, off of this monster album. So it's Michael Jackson. Yes, it's Michael Jackson. Uh, second single. Uh, is it Billie Jean? It, Billie Jean was first. Oh. Oh, was it Beat It? It's Beat It. Okay. Yeah, beat It. Okay. Beat It was nine. Let's see. Number eight. This is another one I, I wasn't sure that I knew. So I don't have a clue to give you because I don't know who it is. All right. Shannon, let the music play. Oh, I know that song. I don't think I know that off the top. I only know, know that if I heard it. Yeah. This is a prominent for me because I used to like be one of the DJs of our high school dances. Yeah. Let the music play. You won't get oh, away. That, that song. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That one. I never knew that was Shannon. I never knew that's what that artist name Yeah. Was. Yeah. Okay, number seven. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's the clue here? This was this a single. I think it was the first single off of this album. It was a monster. The album was a monster. Um, kind of the only big album that this artist had, but she's still around today. Oh, geez, an eighty. She's kicking around. She she's even appears in it. She's on an an ad on television right now for um, a pharmaceutical drug. Oh my goodness. Um it's on all the time. Oh, 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 is it true colors? Uh not true colors, but girls just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. So okay, so I'm up. Gotcha. Okay. That's number seven. Number six. Uh um a favorite band of mine. Uh I don't know if they're a favorite of yours, but you certainly like them. Uh from Athens, Georgia. Oh, uh, God, what was song B? See, I don't know early R.E.M. Is it R.E.M.? It's R.E.M. The song um, is Sitting Still. What's it called? Sitting Still. I don't think I know the song. Um, it's hard to sing it to you because, you know, you don't know what he's saying. But it goes... What album would that have been off of? Uh, that's off Murmur. Okay. Their first album, Sitting Still. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, number five... Wow, I can't believe this was 1983. Um, this is a song. It was a huge hit for this band. They had one. They had one album that was a big hit, and it sort of fell apart after that. Um, Asia. No, no, but but a British new like the new British invasion band. Lock of Seagulls. Nope. Okay, maybe you just tell me at this point. Culture Club. Oh, Karma Chameleon. Was it Karma Chameleon? Is that what you just said. Karma Chameleon. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. Four was 1999. Uh, three, my guy. It's my guy. Your guy, Lou Reed. Yeah. No, the other, the other, my guy, Bowie. Bowie, modern 83. love. 
Oh, Modern Love. Okay. Modern Love. Two, the first hip-hop group into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think. Run DMC. Yep. Which song, though, was it? Sucker MCs. Mm, okay. Oh, you don't remember that one? I don't. Sucker MCs all call me Saya. Oh, is it from is it from uh, Raising Hell? I think it's from Raising Hell. Okay. Hmm. Maybe it is. Uh, okay. And the number one, the number one song of 1983, according to Rolling Stone magazine, sort of a uh, sort of a reggae dude um, who who very famously wrote the song Police on My Back that The Clash performed. It's not Eddie Grant, is it? Eddie Grant. Electric Avenue is the number one song. Electric Avenue is number one. It's a great track. I mean, I mean, I'm surprised it's the number one song, but OK, yeah, that's huh. that's number one. That's, that's fun. Number. Those lists are fun. That is fun. So that's our little bit of Prince. In the news, on the mark. Cool. Uh, so after that uh, digression, as always, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Indigo Nights. Yeah, looking forward to it. So let me. So I guess we should just do some facts and figures. Yeah. yeah. Can you do some Indigo Nights and the facts and figures, Jared? Indigo Indigo Nights was released on September 30th, 2008. It was recorded in the summer of 2007 during his 21 Nights run, a couple of of those after shows. The album is 76 minutes and 51 seconds in length. Of course, Prince uh, reproduced it on the NPG label. Uh, Here's who was playing on these live shows. We got Prince on vocals and guitar. Drums is Cora Coleman Dunham. For keyboards, we have Renato Neto and Morris Hayes. Bass guitar, we got Josh Dunham. Trombone is Greg Boyer. Saxophone is Mike Phillips. Trumpet is Lee Hogan's. We've got co-lead vocals from Shelby Johnson and Marva King. And we have backing vocals from the McLean sisters, Maya and Nandy. So that's yep. who's appearing on Indigo Nights. Nice. Um, Let's see. What do I got here? So we got nine live versions of previously released Prince songs, four cover songs, one new song, and a monologue. Yeah. Uh, Ed, as you mentioned, the CD was sold, uh, was originally only sold, excuse me, coupled with the 21 Nights Coffee Table book. Yes. Which was released in 2008. The book reached number nine on the New York Times bestseller list uh, for books. And the record was not released digitally until 2018. So it's quite quite a ways away. I only found two reviews for Indigo Nights. Okay. So one, uh, this one is interesting. So and I've referenced these guys before, Rock NYC. Yeah. So they, they reviewed it and they said this. From the tubular blowing Alexander's Ragtime Band through the best 3121 ever, through a fast and furious delirious, a three-song blues blowout, all the way to the two witty by half rework of all the critics love you in London. Indigo Nights is the best Prince live album I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah. It is a surprisingly swift-footed, agile, crafty, and very smart album. It is such a pleasure to discover this one. I consider it a magnificent add to the legend, and you should get your hands on it as soon as you can. When you get bogged down in some of these MPG albums, it's easy to forget that he isn't, sorry, wasn't, great. Because people said he was great. He was great because he was great. Hmm. A superb live album, a real find. It is among his best. And listen to this. This reviewer ranked it in his top five Prince albums of all time. Wow. Here's his top five in order. Yeah. 
Purple Rain, Dirty Mind, Sign of the Times, Parade, Indigo Nights. Indigo Nights number one? Oh, no, the other way. Sorry. Oh, it's like, holy shit. One to five. Purple Rain, Dirty Mind, Sign of the Times, Parade, Indigo Nights. He gave it an A. Wow. Pretty high praise. Yeah. And then the only other review was from our friends at Goldie's Parade. They Love gave Goldie's. It a, good, old, good old Goldie's. We got to get those guys on the show. We got to get we the do. Goldie's. On we the really show. should. Um, these guys gave it a four out of five. Huh. And they said this. <clears throat> Indigo Nights is Prince's third live album, and thankfully he does not let up on the attitude. Recorded at the O2 Club during his legendary 21 Nights in London at the O2 Arena, the album opens with the familiar 3121 slash DMSR. Here there are plenty of jams, fun, and flair, all proving that even in his 50s, Prince's performances are as tight, if not tighter, than ever before. Beverly Knight and a flawless Shelby J., Join him in a typically immaculate live set that shows yet again he could easily fund his retirement, releasing more of his shows to CD. The very bluesy Alphabet Street will be the only familiar track for the casual listener. But this album is one fans will gladly keep to themselves. Indigo Nights was released along with the 21 Nights book, documenting his exploits in London. Throwing this gem into the mix as an insert slipped into the cover provided a surefire way to hit the bestseller list too. And why not? Wow. Two very solid reviews for this particular release. Two very solid reviews for this particular release. I couldn't find any others. I was surprised that um, uh, Get Into It, whatever I think that's what it was called, that people who list the entire catalog. Yeah. Didn't there, have anything. There, there aren't any live records on there. So I guess they just oh. do studio, studio releases. So okay. that's our um, brief little facts and figures for Indigo Nights. Thanks, Jerry, for bringing those facts and figures. You're welcome. Let's get into this thing. Let's just get into this. Let's just get into it. Here we go. Track number one. This is 3121. Now, Ed, I don't want to taste, take too much time. We sort of did this before when we talked about other live albums in the past, so we won't review the song. Just, you know, what what are you thinking about this performance? What are you taking away from this this track? What do you get? Yeah, I mean, I like where it goes. I mean, there's there's you know nasty bass. There's uh, this like if, it almost feels like a, a rogue funky slink, one of those slinkies grooving down some stairs. Yeah, yeah exactly. The way it goes. Um, I felt like, especially, and I think there's a general vibe, and I don't know if it kind of follows through the or flows through the full um, set list here, but I felt like it was like we were in a speakeasy mm. checking out Prince because there's a lot of like 20s, 30s era kind of old school horn lines they play the entertainer as part of this yes. yeah um which is interesting yep. and then he kind of moves us into the future and there's like that that high synth frequency thing that he's used on like say on uh black sweat yeah um i have to say you know i'm still i mentioned this in our, our podcast for planet earth um shelby j's voice i'm not in this you're particular not, track i'm not loving it as much yeah. i think i have different opinions as we move further down the set list um, I love the use of DMSR. I love the crowd involvement here. The crowd yeah. is on fire here. It's great. Mike Phillips does a really great sax solo. I thought it was Maceo for sure, but it was Mike Phillips. Um, my favorite moment is when the, the, the crowd starts doing the D- DMSR chorus. Like that's totally. good. 
I mean, honestly, I think this is a decent um, version. I actually do prefer the album track to the yeah. from the live version because I just miss the Camille voice. Yeah. I miss yeah. the Camille voices. Um, but overall, I think it's an effective, it's a fun little, I love the journey you go on within this track. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this takes you on a ride right from the start. You know, yeah. there's a little bit of New Orleans swing in those horns, which is pretty yeah. great, you know, in the mix. Um, this version has some real urgency to it, almost almost an aggression, I would say, in the mix, the way it sort of propels forward. Mm. But but to your point, as as typical with our guy when he goes live, it quickly becomes DSMR. I mean, nobody likes a live medley as much as Prince loves a live medley. Like That's nobody sure. does. Um, as you said, that horn solo with Mike Phillips is a killer, though. That's for sure. Um, the energy is high. And as he has proven time and time again through not only recordings, but sort of history and legend. And this is where he shines, the after shows. This is where he yeah, shines. This is I where, the, like, it's like the live shows, his like regular schedule concerts are the job. This is the jam. You know what I mean? I think that's true. So, yeah, that's, I, I this, it's a great start. It's a great start. Yeah. Cool. Let's just keep plugging along. We got a lot of songs to talk about. Yeah. The next, the next uh, song in on the set list is "Girls and Boys." All right. So we transition out of thirty-one twenty-one. How do you think about this transition into this next track? Well, I think the transition's pretty good. I mean, it feels different than the recorded version. The tempo's slightly elevated, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree, yeah. Faster. Yeah. Um, but it also sounds like it would be a blast to be in the crowd singing along to it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sort of, you know, it's funny. I When we covered Parade way back when, and I like Girls and Boys a lot, it doesn't strike me as like it would become a crowd favorite, but it clearly did become that. You know, because he 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 does it multiple times live over the years, and everybody knows every word to Girls and Boys. Um, and, to, and to your point, I think I'm looking through the set list here. I think this is the only song on the album. Oh no, Alphabet Street as well. I'm trying to think of the other songs that were on uh, In Ain't Over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Girls and Boys is on there, and it starts with the crowd singing the crowd chorus. Singing it, crowd singing yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's pretty great. The crowd singing along. That bass breakdown is nuts. Oh, I have that. I have that's that down. You yeah, gotta yeah. dig that. So yeah, that's how I'm that's how I'm feeling about girls and boys. What about you? Similar. I love the crowd involvement again. I love the out of the sense here. I mean, the band keeps that bottom there. It's exactly. just nice and solid. Um, great horn line, of course. Um, talked about that breakdown around the 220 mark with the with the bass line, and then he adds and I always love when he builds back the song back up again. He rips it apart, blows it up, pauses, and then starts with the bass, brings the drums in, adds the synth line, and he builds it back together, puts it back together. I love that stuff. Um it's just, it's very fun. It's a it's a fun you're yeah, I agree with you. Like you want to be in the audience for that. You want to be singing along and jamming with all your pr- fellow Prince fans, right? And just doing yeah. that stuff. So, Ed, what I'm going to do, you know, the next three tracks that are listed as tracks on the album are The Song of the Heart, Delirious, and Just Like You. But they're really one track. Like, it's really continuous. I need to talk to you, though. There used to be a time when I could walk down the street just like you. Nobody wanted a picture of me. Now everybody want one. Like I'm some animal in a zoo. 
I used to be like you. Yep. So with that being said, tracks three, four, and five, what's your take on this? Song of the Heart, Delirious, Just Like You, the way they sort of bleed together. What do you mean? I think, I think I think it works well together. I mean, I, I like the swagger from Prince on this and Song of the Heart. I'm not I'm not absolutely super familiar with Song of the Heart. I have to go back because that was part of the Happy Feet. Was it Happy Feet? What they called I them? Think so. the I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, on that soundtrack. Um, I love the crowd singing the different awes and different things that are coming in again. He really the crowd's really into this. It's, it's great. Um, again, I feel like it's a, like I'm in this really like secret, super secret, funky speakeasy. It's it's kind of fun, and then it, it doesn't last super long. It segues right into delirious. Um, interesting speaking parts here from Prince. Prince goes on this sort of um, monologue um, about he you know he can't he's not like he's not like the crowd, and he's 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 sad about that. Like he can't go out and buy his mother some tampons, tampons. which was an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, but funny. whatever, that's fine. Um, so he talks about that for a bit, love the horn line beneath it all as he's going through it. And that delirious is like a blink of the eye. It's over. And then it goes into just like you, which is more monologue. And, um, I, I, the horn line, the horn line stays there. Um, I laughed when he said about girls looking at him when he was younger walking because they wanted to get with his cuter friends he used to hang out with. <laughs> right. Hard to believe now we're we're in 2008. Prince is like a legend, myth, yeah. spirit person, sexual spirit guy at yeah. this point. You know they can't go outside no anymore. I love the I love what he talks about is can can I as a photographer would say to him, can I get a picture of you and Michael Jackson together? Then I could retire. Right. That was kind of funny. Um, I love I love what he said. This thing inside, he's still the same, but something else changed on the outside. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah thing to share what, what do you think of the three three songs as they kind of work well you know what? i i like it too i i do want to say this for anyone who's listening who who hasn't heard this record don't be fooled like just because it says delirious you're not really going to get delirious no you're not like don't don't let don't think you're going to hear that track because that's not really what happens what you what you get is like a, just a little sort of snippet of the melody of delirious really yeah yep. um so much like you i like i do like i like how it flows it's fun to hear him talk like that. It's fun to hear him go on this monologue, this weird riff. Um, he's charming. He's funny. He drops those those interesting little pearls, like you pointed out about you know something else has changed. Uh, so I dig it, and it, it and it's like it moves so fast in its way that as I was listening and trying to you know making our reviews for the records, making notes. Um, I had to keep looking back because it already, it already switched over to the next track. Yeah. yeah. Like it just, it moves really smoothly and really quickly. So um, it's almost more fun to just ride it like a wave than try Absolutely. to apart. It's a torrent. It's a torrent of, of music torrent. and ideas going at you. Yeah. yeah. So this, this kind of flow continues in the next two tracks. So we have satisfied from the 3121 album, and it goes into a cover of a song called begging women, women blues. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a sec. Before we get started, hey, well, are we all alone? Cause I'm about to get open heart. It's time you send your company home. So Jared, just some, how do you feel about this flow here? So it changes a little bit, but then we have a, another little bit of a minor medley here between a two. minor medley. And this one worked. This one, this is a real highlight for me. Um, th this works really well. First of all, the satisfied is fantastic. 
you know, we we had all this really high energy, and then it's sort of like we hit the brakes on satisfied, and it slows down. Yeah. You know, um, I will say that in comparison to the studio track, I feel like the satisfied kind of grinds it out even more. Mm. Uh, so for me, it plays it plays live pretty well. Um, I think is that Morris Hayes talking, doing the little sort of more. I think it's Morris Hayes doing the sort of Morris Day kind of bit. Oh, it, it, it probably is. Yeah, you know, probably like probably even with that. the little well, you know, the little the little yeah, little little a little mm, that little, mm, yeah, that little mm, thing, you know, little, mm. uh, it's clearly a take on that Morris Day character, which yeah, was yeah. Too. Uh, and then, uh, as you said, it bleeds right into Begging Woman Blues, and it's a lovely transition, really smooth. I mean, it's the same music essentially, yep. and it's just—it's a great slow burner of a jam. So I, I dig it. What what do you make of those two together? No, I, I mean, for satisfied, I'm like testify, man. This is like he's taking us to yeah, church totally. now. Yeah, um, the keyboards are amazing on Satisfied. It's a good one. Um, you know, I, like I've said before on various pods, like Prince plays so well in the silence between the notes yeah and there's so much space he puts so much space in in this version of satisfied um it's it's just so so good i just want to say i I want to mention too incredible horn solo on that just gonna say incredible talks about going sky high with mike phillips and mike hits that hits that mark like that sax solo is sky high and then i love when he says at one point prince says london you ain't never gonna be the same (laughs) <laughs> and then it, then it transitions into the next song and i don't know if you know the history of the song so the song is a medley of a track called begging woman by cousin joe from a 1947 single that's how old that thing is with three-handed woman which is a track by lewis jordan and his timpani five from a 1950 single wow. called three-headed woman and then prince adds some additional additional lyrics there um so some of the things that had me cracking up that he, and I think, I think these might be the Prince ads. I think he talks about, she's a cockeyed woman. Um, so she looks at the both way, two different ways at the same time. So she asks for the pepper, but she's looking at the salt. salt. She gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but, and I loved, I loved him. And maybe this is in the track itself, but on the three, he talks about a three handed woman. Yeah. I think it goes to the three headed woman. And she, he says, She's right-handed, left-handed, and underhanded too. <laughs> so I dig that. The only thing I would say is I thought the begging woman blues part got a little long. It got a little long for me. Sure. I, I, I don't held, disagree. Yeah, it's a little yeah, long. It helped. Yeah. So that's the that's the one criticism I would have over that over that I second. Agree. I agree. Well, then from that, we move into these two tracks that bleed together. We go into Rock Steady, which is an old Aretha Franklin tune, which then goes right into a, sort of an instrumental cover, well, sort of, of Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. I think it's pretty cool too. Uh, Josh, we talked about Josh Dunham on the last uh, review of Planet Earth and how he was kicking the bass. I love what he's doing here. Um, it's killer. It's absolutely yeah, killer. Yeah, it's so good. So good. I love it. Prince is telling him, hey, everyone help me with the upstroke here. 
Yeah. Um, and man, he, he he specializes in the funk. Like he says, he, he does that. Josh is so good on the bass. I love the added percussion here. There's like cowbells and little like triangles and different accents happening with percussion. Um, it's really nice. Um, and then you, if only because I knew the next song coming up was whole lot of love, I completely noticed that the baseline is whole lot of love. Like he's, he's playing a whole lot of love right from jump on Rocksteady. He's playing yeah, the baseline. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then I, I mean, after those like added percussion pieces, I, I, I love the way it transitions into whole lot of love because whole lot of love for me was a highlight of the musicology tour. It was, it was a highlight for me too. So yeah. So to hear it here, it's, it's just great to hear it on, on a record. Yeah. Um, and Prince just wails and wails on guitar and it, it just, it feels good. He tears it up. I love it. And then he does like a breakdown. There's a breakdown yeah. around three minutes into the whole lot of love and then brings it back up again. So I love it. I think it rocks. It rocks steady. It rocks steady. I agree. This bounces along right away. Uh, and when, as you mentioned, not to just echo you, but when that bass kicks in, absolutely forget it. Just forget it. I mean, besides the fact that it's playing the whole lot of love riff under rock steady, it's just a total groove. Yeah. Um, uh, and I believe it's Beverly Knight singing there. I think, I think it cuts through pretty well. There's a lot of power in her voice. Um, I love the, what it is, what it is, what it is a uh, little vocal riff. I think that's yep. awesome. And then there's a whole lot of chicken grease guitar scratch underneath that from our guy from Prince. And it's a total yeah. groove when he goes into whole lot of love. It, it's, it's not a true cover exactly. Um, but it, uh, for me anyway, but it is where Prince can show off that he can crush hard rock just as well as Jimmy page ever could. And he yeah. does, he does that it's epic and it's huge. It's great to listen to my only critique. And it's, it's so, so minor. I, I would have loved to have heard him sing it. Yeah, I, I wish know. he had sung it. I would have yeah. loved to have heard him sing it because to yeah. hear him just because the, the Zeppelin are blues songs. I mean, that's all that they are, really. And so to hear him rip on that would have been really cool vocally. I understand he doesn't want to do that. It doesn't interest him too much, but it would have been it would have been really cool to hear him sing those lyrics that Robert Plant made so famous. So I, I, I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. there. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so next we move into uh, Alphabet Street. Kick drum in the house. Come on. I'm going down to Alphabet Street. I'm gonna clown. Say what? I'm gonna talk so sexy. You want me from my head to my And what do you think about this uh, this version? Well, this is also it's faster than the studio version. It's moving a little quicker. Um it, it, and again, in typical Prince live fashion, like it quickly breaks down into nothing but pure funk in his joy of listening to it. You know, yeah. I don't. I think he just makes it through the first line of the first verse and he stops. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and and it's. I think because he's clearly having so much fun, and makes it pretty joyful for us to listen to as well. You know, his declarate his declarations. You know, it's it's just too. He's. I got that in my behind. You know, and all that all that stuff that he's saying. It's yeah. it's. Funky to the nth degree. So just just put it on and just let it glide. That's how I feel about it. How about you? Yeah, same. I, it's pretty. It's pretty similar to the it, it ain't over version. So it's like um, it has a similar vibe. Like it's instrumental, the breakdowns, the guitar, um, almost like country ish cow funk guitar kind of playing um, on there. And um, yeah, I, I dig it. I dig it. I don't know what to say about it. I agree. Well, we go from that into an instrumental jam that's based on Get on the Boat, which Prince is titled here, Indigo Nights. Just my home right here, come on. 
What do you think of Indigo Nights? Well, track? Lennon knows how to party. You know, like, I mean, I, I said, br- bring me that Renato Latin piano vibe, man. Let's salsa. Let's do it up. You know, it's it's good. It's a nice little change. Very different type of style than we've been hearing in the, in the first earlier parts of the of the set. So I like I like the change, the transition, and it moves. It does. The, the piano owns this track, owns it entirely. Um, it's great. And London knows how to party. It's fun to hear that. London knows how to party. London knows how to party. Cool. And then we move into a song called Misty Blue. Heaven knows I tried. When I say, when I say I'm glad you're leaving. What do you think about this? I mean, it's a pretty torch song, you know, and I, I think the, I, I believe this is Shelby J. And I know you're not as much of a fan of her vocal. I think she sounds pretty good on this. I dig it. You know, it's old school R&B that for me, the the keeper is the Hammond organ, the B3 organ. That's oh, awesome. you can't mess around with the Hammond organ. Oh, you can't. You can't. You just can't mess around with it. It's so, so good. Um, and uh, and then it's over. You know, then it's over. What about you? What do you make of it? I've been throwing Shelby shade. I will admit that I like her vocal here very yeah. much. So. so I like the range she's in, right? It's nuanced yep. subtlety here. Therefore I'm getting more emotion from the, from the vocal, which yeah. is appropriate given what the track is. So this is a cover version of an Eddie Arnold song from a 1966, 1966 album, the last word in lonesome. There it is. Um, so um, there that, there it is. I, I, and I also have to say, I have to give Shelby credit for, having the stage presence to be in because a lot of times his protégés or backup singers, they'll, they'll do their vocal. They'll step away from the mic. She's engaging with the audience. She's get, talking to them. She's getting them involved. So totally. she's maintaining, which is hard to do. I'm not sure if she, she gets to the heights that Prince does when he does those crowd engagements. No, but she keeps that engagement up there. And she kind of keeps the ball in the air before um, we move on to the next track. Right. And the next track is baby love. What do you think of this one, Ed? Why is it not the Supreme song? <laughs> it's a great, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's a good question. Could you imagine going into it like a Motown Supremes track after all these songs? Um, I was fascinated by this because I like the song. So it's from a band called Mother's Finest yeah. um, in, the, in the 70s. Um, so um, we'll talk about them a little later, I think. So I was fascinated by this. I think it's a, you know, not much to say. So I think there's a very nice, funky delivery here by Shelby and the team. I think they do a nice job. I'm imagining it's funny after two songs where Prince isn't involved. I'm imagining he's under the stage having peppermint tea and sucking on a lollipop. Like I, I can just imagine him having that moment to himself, right? Changing costumes. Yeah, exactly. Have maybe three different suit changes along yeah. the way. Um, angels are like fanning him off below. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but anyway, but uh, no, I thought, I thought they, they do a nice little version of the song. I think it was pretty funky. Well, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you just slightly. I, th- this is oddly a misstep for me, this one. Okay. Um, it, it sounds to me, to my ear, a little too aggressive or something, I think. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not bad. 
but it doesn't quite work for me as well as like coming out of Misty Blue, which I think is stronger. Um, it doesn't, it just doesn't quite, this is the only misstep for me so far on this record. It just, it's something a little quite not gelling for me on it. Okay. All right. So then we move on to the one. Responsibility. I ain't the one. If you're looking for a brother, that'll treat you like anything but a natural queen. I ain't the one. What do you think? What do you think about this version of the one? Well, I'll say this. Um, first of all, it's the one that's really the question of you, right? Uh, right. Get, it becomes that for sure. It becomes the question of you. We hear that solo, the thick round tones on that guitar solo. Oh, it just melts along. And it's great to hear it. It's just great to hear it, really. Um, and there's so much sax on this. That's just, you know, all over the place. And it just yep. sounds really good. And his vocal here is really in my favorite part of his range, right? That mm-hmm. mid range. There's a yearning in it. There's a need in it. The, the one is a keeper for me. I think this is a keeper. Wow. What do you think of it? I have a, I have a, a totally opposite opinion. Oh, let's hear it. Let's but hear but it. you know why? I'll tell you why. It, it, the, the song, The One, is on an album called New Power Soul, which we haven't reviewed. Um, right. And it's a burner. It's an absolute burner of a track. I don't like the arrangement he picks here. It's very, okay. this is very jazzy, right? With all yeah. the sax in it. Right. Um, it sounds a bit too quiet storm to me. And I feel like it kind of takes the power away from the original track that's on this new power. Solo. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, it just, yeah, it feels like it weakens it to me. There's just too many instruments on it. Like it was a little more stripped down the okay. version and it just sounds a, lot, a little more urgent to me in the actual recording of it um, and the new power soul. Um, it reminded me a bit of when Prince did the remake of dark from the come album yeah. on the crystal ball set and he kind of smoothed it out and kind of made it a little yeah. more r&b he thought that i mean i i didn't i didn't like it um and this 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 is similar to me uh in, in his approach um Interesting. Interesting. Um, of course i'm not familiar with that other version no oh, you have no reference point so right. yeah to you this sounds uh, so i would love yeah you're i'm gonna challenge you to go and listen to the one the actual song the one i will did we not and do this, that because that, is that an MPG record? Is that what we have? It's an MPG with? record, so we didn't officially call it as a Prince release. Yeah. So we'll We're go back. Get there. We're going to get there, folks. Don't worry. But we just absolutely, didn't... we'll go back and chat about that album, which is notoriously hated by most much much of the Prince community. Yeah, um, yeah the jazz noodling here at towards the end, I'm not is not welcome to my ears. Um, but I do like to your point. I love when he sneaks into Question of You and starts yeah. playing that. That's yeah. definitely very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, great. And then uh, very quickly, we then come to the final track on Indigo Nights, track number 15. This is All the Critics Love You in London. You cut off all your hair. I don't think they care in London. Ed, uh, I'll be heading to London soon again, as you know. Yeah. Safe travels to you. Safe travels. Thank you very much. What do you What do you make of this version of All the Critics Love You in New York that we got here? It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's some great great bass in the beginning of this. Yeah. I I'm always fascinated. I've heard a couple different live versions of All the Critics, and I just because if you go back to the 1999 album, and this is you know it's such an electro punk. Yeah song to hear it live and to hear how he arranges it is pretty awesome yeah um so i love the great bass here the horn line solid the foundation is great 
Prince is playing all these little guitar like kind of stabs along the way. It's so good. Um, and there's some new like horn line in the middle of it. it. It sounds like it could be from another song. I'm not sure what it was. I don't know if you, your ear caught that, but it felt like it might have been from a different, might have been incorporating a different horn line from another song or maybe an old throwback. Yeah, something. Song. Yeah, something. Yeah. And then at 4:15, Markish uh, around there, Morris Hayes. He has this like f- kind of funky clav breakdown where he's just kind of. Yeah. And then Prince does that build up against, breaks it down to the funky clav, then puts this great, you know, like you said, when Prince starts doing chicken grease rhythm guitar, like forget it. Just forget about it. it. Yeah. Um, and then I thought it was interesting was at the end, this is the last song on the on the album. He does this outro with br- folks from Britain. Obviously, they had the accents were, were flying. Um, with bat dance playing yes. in the background, yes, that is really and then, interesting. Yes, really odd. And they were t- like talking about how awesome Prince was, right? Like yeah. they're basically saying. So I found that interesting to be the end of the maybe a little marketing to, for his next tour already yeah. like, by putting that in there. Yeah, could be. What do you think? So, uh, similar, similar to you. I, I uh, as you as you might remember, I really loved that track. All the critics love you in New York. I think it's such a weirdo song. And I love how weird it is. And I love how weird it is here. It's still weird here. It's yeah. still weird and fascinating. And and the fact that he edits on all the all the all those vocals, all those little interview things, the bat dance bit, like, like, okay, let's just make this some weird collage, like it sort of was the first time. So yeah. as a result, I enjoy drifting along this weirdo journey on this track. And I'm also sort of fascinated, like, you know, for live albums, the history of live albums. Um, and Prince does not have a traditional live album out. Like right. it, doesn't, it doesn't really exist. Not not at this point. Um, except for maybe then, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, this is not a song you end a show on. You don't end right. on this. You know, you end on Purple Rain. You end on right. 99. You end on something. Right. So to, to have it end on this is such a little Prince like, huh. You know, like a little, yeah. it makes your head tilt. Like, okay. You know, and I respect him for that. Yeah. For giving us an odd choice rather than an obvious choice. And I think there's something to that. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite track on the on the thing? I, the one. Sorry. That's okay. I think the one's kind of a jam. Um, I put Alphabet Street down. Okay. Sure. Sure. And now you're like, I wonder why I did that. I won't forget why I did it. But <laughs> I did. What's your least favorite? The one. The one. Yeah. Mine's baby love. Okay. How about interesting? Uh, all the critics. I mean, I think it's got to be. It's yeah, gotta be. same, same, it's same. same. Yeah. Uh, what's the best musical moment? For me, the best musical moment has got to be that bass breakdown on Alphabet Street. It's just, it's just so good, and the fact that Prince himself can't stand it. He can't yeah. stand how funky it is. Yep. It's so good. So for me, that is the best musical moment. Sadly, I, I hate to be not original, but I have to agree. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to beat it. It's kind of yeah, the centerpiece it's pretty, of the record. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah. So, Ed, what's your overall impression of Indigo Nights? Okay, I'm going to be very uh, honest here. I came into this with not a particularly high score for this album, but okay. as we talk through it, I got a little more excited about the album. Yeah, you know, it, I guess. How, how, what was my thinking here? I think it's a good night out with Prince. Like it's a it's a solid set list. I think because. If I was to dream up a version of a live album, I would want to hear from Prince. I certainly would want to hear a little bit more breath in his catalog. I wouldn't want to hear covers. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's where I'm knocking the score down a bit because ideally I'd want a different type of configuration or something supporting an album that was like a solid, yeah, 
you know, live, live um, stamping sort of a time frame in his, in his uh, touring career. Um, I honestly do think, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. I think it ain't over is a superior collection compared to this because for that, like, I like the songs here and there's a lot of like quick hit medleys, but like it ain't over. If someone says to me, show me a good guitar track for Prince on, on record, join repetition, right? Sure. Two yeah. Nigs United. You want to hear an instrumental where he's kicking some ass. You want to hear, there's a great version of Alphabet Street. Like, I don't know if I would be grabbing any of these tracks and saying, guys, you got to listen, sit down and listen to this, this one song off this set. Um, because it's so freaking amazing. I think it's good. It's solid, but it's not standout for me. Um, so yeah, so it's good. Here's the thing. I may have given it, I might've given it more props. The full experience of this packaging might've given it more points for me. Like if it's like the music somehow complements the imagery in the book, like you're actually experiencing yeah. visuals of the Prince concert and the audio of the Prince concert without the, the full video of the Prince concert. But maybe those hand in hand may have made it a more rich experience for me. But the music alone, it's certainly nothing to be like, oh, it sucks. But it, it's not, in my opinion, not as good to say it ain't, it ain't over. Yeah. I mean, first of all, um, joy and repetition. And I, I don't want us to sound like a broken record. I don't want us to be repeating ourselves. But the live version of joy and repetition towers over almost everything else like in the whole right. world it almost yeah, it's almost not fair yeah it's almost not fair so that track alone buries this entire album but that's neither here nor there i do think it ain't over is is superior in that way but i'll say that i do think that this is a pretty strong live album however having said that it is not for the casual fan this agreed 100 agreed it, right this is for someone who already knows who prince is what prince does live that's also really important. If you're looking to hear a greatest hits live record, this ain't it. You gotta right. look somewhere else. Right. But I do think that this is pretty strong. Do I think it's a top five album of all time strong? I do not. No. But it's I still think it's pretty good. So I will say that out of five Prince symbols, I'd be willing to go like three and three quarters on this, I think. Maybe okay. maybe, maybe three and a half. How about okay. you? I was gonna give it two and three quarters. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So just okay. below a three on this one for, the, okay. for this. Collection. I go that high because I like the energy. I like the energy of it. I like the, you know, feeling, but I, I hear what you're saying. I hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Um, well, with that now, it's time for Musicology. Musicology. Ed, what's your recommendation for Musicology on this I, I'm going to let our guy Prince guide us okay. on the Musicology journey. So I went, as I was mentioning when we were talking about some of these tracks, Mother's Finest. All right. Did, speak, so I, did, I dug speak into it a little. Yeah, I dug into them a little bit. And um, I was looking at some reviews of their stuff and like looking for suggestions. And guys, if you have a chance, just give this a listen. Ironically, the the album that probably gets the biggest critical praise for this group is their live album from 1979. Um, so Mother's Finest, I think you'd like it a lot, Jared, because a lot of those tracks in the beginning, they sound kind of Black Crow-ish. Oh, okay. They're kind of rock, funk, kind of like okay. fusion kind of band. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think it's it's worth at least giving it a listen. I'm not sure if it'll become a favorite album of yours or anybody's, but I think it's worth giving it a try. It's definitely... It has a lot of, and they have some interesting covers on it, like Magic Carpet Ride and some other tracks on there as well. So give it a try if you want to just listen to uh, a band that's really not appreciated for being sort of um, 
the, the description of them when I read them, they said they were a little bit too rock to be like Sly and the Family Stone, and they were too funky. They they couldn't radio couldn't find a format for these guys. They were a little too much yeah. hard rock and too funky, and they couldn't cross yeah. over in each way in the seventies. Oh, interesting. Definitely worth a listen. So okay, I'm gonna try. I will try that out. How about you? Well, for me, I have this is what I went with. I was thinking about I love live records, and I think you know that about me. I'm a big fan yeah. of live albums. Um, so I was trying to think of what would be an appropriate pairing thematically and like all that kind of stuff. So I was thinking about great live albums that were recorded in London is okay. where, where yeah. my head started to go. Yeah. So I came down with this. So this is a record I have, and I've had it for years and I really love it. And so in the spirit of things recorded in London, I'm going to recommend for musicology, Marvin Gaye's live at the London Palladium, 1977. Oh, that sounds all right. If you've never heard it, you have to check it out right now. It is fantastic. It is Marvin at the height of his powers. The band sounds great. His voice sounds great. I highly, highly recommend it if you've never heard it. Um, I want to say this. While I was thinking about this question, uh, this is just a little tangent, so I'm going to ask you to bear with me, Ned. I'm going to be curious about your thoughts on what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. I was at first thinking, and I don't have this record, but I was thinking, oh, you know what would be good? Is there a live recording of the rehearsals that Michael Jackson was doing for the This Is It tour? Oh. Hmm. So I did a little digging last night as I was sort of trying to find out. I because I didn't because I don't follow Michael Jackson's post posthumous catalog. I didn't know. Right. So I thought maybe maybe they released a record of all those live rehearsals, but they did not. Interesting. Because there, there's a movie that came out, right? About there is. The... There's a movie that came out. I've seen the movie and there is a This Is It soundtrack album, but that album is just greatest hits. It's a greatest hits record. Oh. It's like it's beat it. It's Billie Jean. It's you want to be starting something. It's 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 just songs lifted from Thriller yeah. and Bat, you know, which I found really disappointing. And so then I, I dove a little bit deeper because I sort of just, I don't know, I fell down this weird Michael Jackson rabbit hole. He recorded, there's a live film of a show he did at Wembley Stadium but there's no accompanying album. There's no album for it. Huh. So uh, as a point of fact, there are no official live album releases in Michael Jackson's catalog. Interesting. I, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting. Now, he didn't tour a ton. You know, he very famously didn't really, he did that victory tour after Thriller, but he didn't right. do a Thriller tour. Right. And... In his later years, he would do these weird, you know, he would he would show up in like Prague or like right. some weird right. place. He didn't tour the United States. Right. You know, and he didn't really properly tour Europe. Um, I don't know what that's about. I don't know why he made those choices. I, I mean, we know he was an odd and troubled guy. So I just find that really curious. It occurs to me, too. And the other reason I sort of fell down this rabbit hole is that I read and I didn't know this. Maybe you did. That when Michael decided to do what was going to be 50 shows in London, the express intent was to break Prince's record of 21. Oh, interesting. That was his intent. Wow. And I thought that was really interesting. And it made it made me think, I don't know at this point that Michael was much on Prince's mind, but Prince was still on Michael's mind. There you go. And I think that's really, really interesting. So... I just find it curious that there isn't a proper live album released anywhere of Michael Jackson's work. And you, there's there are a couple of films, um, but there's no digital 
vinyl or CD release of a Michael Jackson live record. And I and you never saw him live, right? No, I never saw Michael live. No, nor I. No. Um, and I don't know. Like his shows obviously were well attended, and he sold out stadiums when he did tour. Maybe maybe it's because he didn't tour so. It was infrequent for him to tour, but I'm wondering if it was more of um, a visual show, like the production was such an important part of it that maybe not that the music wasn't important to him, because I think if you you saw the movie, I think there's so much attention to the musical musical details in that. But like maybe that was why. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. And you know what else? I I say this too. So again, I fell down this rabbit hole last night. I had to stop because at one point it was getting (laughs) late. I'm like, I got to stop doing this. Yeah. Um, I was looking at clips from these various live concert films, and I gotta say, I'm not sure that they're great. Mm. I'm, I, you know, like I don't know. Like there's there's a clip I saw. It's all over YouTube that he was doing a show in Madison Square Garden for his 30th anniversary concert, and he does the way you make me feel with Britney Spears. And oh. course, you know, Britney. Britney can't really sing. All respect to Britney. She can't really right. sing. Right. But it just didn't look good. It just didn't, it just didn't, it didn't look right. And and when I was watching clips, there are some clips from the Wembley show and this show in wherever it was in Eastern Europe. Maybe it was Prague. I might be making that up, but it's someplace like that. I don't know. It's a lot of spectacle. Yeah. Fireworks, costumes, lots of dancers. But I'm like, I don't know. Is the music that good? It's a good. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure if it was, so I don't know how strong of a live performer Michael was after he had to become such a recluse after. Three yeah, years. and I would love for folks because we have such a nice, wonderful, you know, people listening from all around the world. Like if you if you've seen it, seen Michael live, what what was your impression of him performing live? I'd love to. I'd hear be it. curious to hear. I would be really curious to hear. And I'll just throw out this one last little bit of Prince Michael stuff. For Prince's Wembley show, or um, yeah, it was his Wembley show. I forget what year this was. I think it was 88. So would have, that would have been like the bad tour. Mm-hmm. There is an audio clip, and Ed, you've probably heard this. There's an audio clip of Michael's band playing It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night. Oh, no, I didn't know that, no. Michael's not singing, but he must be on stage while they're playing it. Interesting. I think that's interesting too. Again, Prince was on Michael's mind, but I don't think Michael was on Prince's mind that much. And listen, after that story, and I forget who the hell told, told that story that when Prince was at uh, the Rio and did the um, thirty-one twenty-one residency, that yeah. Michael went to see him. Yeah, I forget was it some actor or celebrity, somebody, and Prince famously went up to him and played bass in his face. Yeah, and Michael got very upset about that and was like telling the guy, like, "What's wrong? Why does not Prince like me?" <laughs> so maybe he was like, "I'll show him. I'm going to go to London and do yeah. it. I'll do him." But yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. They, I yeah. mean, without question, they were rivals. They were certainly rivals. Um, and for you know, however talented Michael was, he wasn't as talented as Prince. That's just no. I I, I mean, I don't think that's even a question in no. terms of. The instruments play, Prince could play the way he could write and produce production, his, right? I mean, yeah, it's yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So anyway, just an interesting little rabbit hole I fell down to. But to go back, just to be clear, folks, check out the Marvin Gaye right live at the London Palladium from 1977. You will not regret it; it'll knock you out. Love it, love it. There cool. you go. All right, time for dig, if you will, a picture. Okay. Ed, do you dig this picture? 
describe it to me. Was there a picture? I thought it was just a book cover. So is, I mean, like a, a, is there an actual cover there, for the? Album? There's a there's a digital image when you when you download the album. Oh, um, okay. It's 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 negligible. I mean, first of all, it's not really even indigo. It's like purple. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you see the symbol on there. Like, I don't know. It, it, let me say this. Live albums rarely, if ever, have great covers. You know, that's just not something that usually happens. The only live album that I can think of that has an iconic cover in any way is the Allman Brothers Band and their very famous cover from Live at Fillmore East. That's that's iconic. But other than that, there's not a ton of, like, iconic live album covers. What about Phantom Comes Alive? Nah. Okay. I don't think as a cover, I don't think the cover art is anything really famous. Gotcha. Okay. That's my opinion. So yeah, that's not much of a, it's not much of a cover image. I'm with you. I'm not even going to say, I'll, I'll agree with you generally. I didn't even think there was, I just thought it was included in the books. So I didn't even worry about really. Yeah, there was just, easy. yeah, there was, there, when you download the record now, there is like an image of what the cover of the album would be and it's nothing. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. All right. Why don't we move on to the next uh, question for you? Bomb bomb. All right. So we talked uh, a bunch of times about Prince selling out London for 21 nights. Not bad, right? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. How about this? How about this question for you? Um, which, and I'll give you this hint, which British-based act is credited for selling out the O2 quickest for a show? It was sold out in 38 seconds. 38 seconds. Do you have the year? 2007. All right. What? This is good. What act sold out the old, the O2 in London in 38 seconds in 2007? You know, everyone, what to do? Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Write us at whendovespodcast at gmail.com with your answers. You'll get a shout out on the show. Um, and we're so glad that you that you do. Um, and uh, I think that's pretty much it for this I week's. It is kind of hit and run episode of yeah uh, of When Doves Podcast. Ed, what are we going to talk about when we come back next? I think we're going to split this album up a bit, right? So we, we have um, now officially it was a triple album release. We're probably not going to touch Bria Valenti's part of this album. Right. But Not we, now. We have, we'll do it now. Yeah, we'll probably go back and circle back at some point. But we have Lotus Flower, Minneapolis Sound. We'll probably look at the Lotus Flower first. We're going to do Lotus Flower first. So get your karma ready, folks. We're going to dive into the Lotus Flower. Yeah. So thanks for joining us as always on When Doves Podcast. We hope everyone is well. And uh, until next time, we say... May you live to see the dawn. Bye, everybody. I love you guys. Bye. Bye.